Hey nomads, welcome to Digital Nomad Stories, the podcast. My name is Anne Klaassen and together with my co-host Kendra Hasse, we interview digital nomads. Why? Because we want to share stories of how they did it. We talk about remote work, online business, location independency, freelancing, travel, and of course, the digital nomad lifestyle. Do you want to know more about us and access all previous episodes? Visit digitalnomadstories.co. All right, let's go into today's episode. Hey, hey, nomads. Welcome to a new episode of Digital Nomad Stories. Today, I'm here with Elliot and Dom. They are the co-founders of Digital Nomads for Good. And they are here to talk about basically managing remote team or remote work and managing remotely when one person is remote and the other person is not. And I'm really excited to hear both sides of that story because I think it's super interesting to hear both perspectives. And of course, we'll also talk about Digital Nomads for Good and what they do, what they're working on now, which is super exciting, I think. So I'm super excited to have you guys on the show today. Uh, Dom and Elliot, welcome. Thanks so hey. much for having us. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, so to kick things off, can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do? Dom, maybe we can start with you. Sure. So I've spent the last sort of two and a half years now, give or take, working as a digital nomad out in Colombia. Uh, I was based in Bogota, mostly working for a UK organization uh, selling software solutions. I actually worked for Elliot. Uh, he was my boss uh, for, for quite a long time. And um, yeah, so we've, we've moved on now to, uh, to start this new project, starting off in Medellin, uh, which is you know, obviously a big, big digital nomad hub. Um, in terms of me, I've, I've, been, I've been kicking around in sales and, and uh, sales development and company management for too, too many years now. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's finally a chance to, for us to, to do something a little bit different. Cool, awesome. Very cool. And Elliot, what about you? I really felt that too many years. Now I sort of looked at Dom's face and I thought when we first met each other, there were no gray hairs. You know, neither of us. We, we both look so much fresher. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, um, I'm currently the co-founder and, and CEO of Digital Nomads for Good to working with Dom in a slightly different fashion to before. So I guess now Dom's my manager. <laughs> And and my technically remote for you, Dom, I don't know, but uh, he's still working over in Colombia, so we're working with that time difference. Previous to that, I've worked with an awful lot of startups, always focused in sales, sales development, sales training. The last couple of years, Dom and I have worked at two different businesses together, where I've been the SDR, head of SDR, SDR director, and Dom has been uh, part of the SDR team. So, uh, and brought in for his sort of specialist skills and knowledge in sales. Uh, which is how I was able to to swing, you know, having a remote, a fully remote worker in the first place. Yeah, awesome. So, did you meet initially at work for the two the jobs that you had? Let's say yes. Yeah, yeah. We grew up in the same area, so we and we're the same age, so we were known to one another, but we didn't really know one another. And then we properly met when we we were working in a call center in Richmond, uh, yep. selling Sky TV doing outbound cold calling acquisitions when there was uh, 150 people on the calling floor and it was chaos. You'd have to sit under your desk so you could hear the person you were speaking to. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. that's where we met. When we were 19. Eight, yeah, it's about eight. Yeah, nine, about 18 years, 17, 18 years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool. Awesome. You go way back. So how did it happen that you, Elliot, were a manager and then Dom, you went 
off the work remotely, basically. Like, what what's the story there exactly? Did you start well, I mean, in in office and then go remotely from there, or like, what was what was the situation? Well, before before Elliot jumps in, because the thing the, the bit about how I end up working for Elliot, you sh- he should tell. Mm. But prior to that, you know, post COVID world, um, I found myself working for an organization apart, well, apart from this, and it was it was a fully remote job because obviously we all were in in those days had to work from home. So I just finished my master's degree and was and, and found this position, and I could not see a reason for me to remain in the UK while still doing this job. I, there was nothing pinning me there, so I had a chance to. I, I spoke to the company. I said, "Hey, I'm looking to to travel uh, a little bit. Can I do? The, can I continue?" To, they said, "But they, as far as they were concerned, they said, look, as long as we don't really know about it, don't care where you are. Just as long as you, you're on, as long as you're on the right work hours." So I did this for a little while, and then um, then Elliot and I started talking about um, other potential positions available, and then um, and I was already currently working working overseas, so it was uh, it was a question of what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was a case of I mean, two separate businesses actually. Something I've always done a lot of is work with startups, go in sort of help shake up the sales team or, or build it out a bit, and in both of those instances, yeah, I saw an opportunity for Dom to support us. So, you know, I had a slight position of power. I had, you know, I was able to, uh, to sell that concept internally because even, you know, to the first business, actually having somebody fully remote wasn't an issue whatsoever. They had a lot of remote workers. They were kind of going global, uh, sorry, going global quite quickly. And so remote work was familiar for them and, and quite easy. For the second business, not so much <laughs> and took a little bit of convincing, but it was really about saying, well, look, you know, what you get here actually is given someone who's living abroad and, and able to live a, a, a you know, lower cost lifestyle, you actually get an awful lot more for your money. You'll get someone with a lot more experience um, who can hit the ground running. That makes sense. That, so, that's, so that, that, was, that was the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting to hear. So how, like, how did that work exactly? You mentioned that you kind of sold it as you will save money by hiring this person who works remotely or no <laughs> kind of it was more that you get more you get more yeah. value right because this yeah. is a it's a it's a position that it's more at the start of uh, a lot of sales careers so not as big of uh, a wage but given the opportunity to work remotely and and you know work right. in frankly you know a cheaper location I meant dom could afford a, lo- a low wage doing something he was more interested in doing equally yeah. but that can support the lifestyle right so if i'd, if I'd remained in the uk then I, I you know the 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 financial burden on me is much much higher and i would have needed to go for probably double or triple the salary i was actually taking yeah. and i wouldn't have been able to take a, a, a role at this so you know i've got eight, 18 odd years experience in a similar sort of areas so i was actually able to take a job where that it was it was a relatively a relatively junior position from where i've been but with that freedom of movement, that's worth, that was worth so much to me yeah. that, that you can justify that loss in salary. And in somewhere like Colombia, you just don't need it. Yeah. You don't need to earn 80, 90 grand because you can, you can survive quite comfortably off a decent UK salary. Exactly. Okay. So you prioritize more the remote work, like remote part and living in Colombia over, over really being super ambitious and, you know, continuing. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. That that makes sense. That did also come with starting at what two, three in the morning, yeah, quite often. Yeah. So my so when 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 I first out working for the first company for for the first organization, 
although Elliot had a pretty good understanding of, of, of things like working hours, the team that I ended up working on wasn't quite as adept at doing that. So I was finding myself starting work about two o'clock in the morning and they'd book meetings for me at four o'clock, five o'clock. And they were also like, oh, but you're in the United States. So you can, you can, you're not in the United States, but you're in the same sort of time zone. So you can also work, you know, five or six o'clock in the afternoon, their time. And I'm like, well, I mean, theoretically I can, but I'm now working 14 hours a day. Yeah. And you don't seem to understand this time difference. No. So I'd have one manager book a meeting for one time and then another manager book. So I'm actually working two time zones almost fully, which was hell. But again, it's a, it's a learning curve. You, you learn eventually you have to stand up and be like, this is going to kill me. Yeah. But so when you, when you end up sort of working from like tw- two, two in the morning till 11 o'clock in the morning, it's not, that's not too bad. You, you know, you can you go out and do stuff in the afternoon. There's nobody in the, in the, in the art galleries and museums, which I'm going to definitely say that I go to. And, um, or the gym. That's another one that I definitely do all the time. I'm always there. It's definitely not you just get served earlier in bars. People do look at you funny, though, when you're turning up at a bar and you're drinking a bottle of wine at, at sort of two o'clock in the afternoon, because for you, it's nine at night. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have, you just, I, I fully committed to the UK sort of time zones and, and just lived my life on that. So I was hitting, I was going to bed at seven in the evening, that sort of thing. So it was six in the evening. So yeah, just, just fully transfer onto that zone. It was yeah. Wasn't difficult it was with yeah. you know waking up when it's completely dark outside and then going to bed at seven p.m. You know sometimes I don't know maybe it's yeah just it curtails your social life. It definitely curtails your social life quite dramatically. I know a lot of nomads that I've spoken to and and, and are friends with. You know, they work in things like programming where they will earn work a certain amount of hours in a day, but those hours they work are essentially up to them. A lot of the ones that come from the U.S. again, it's in the same time mm-hmm. zone, so it's less of an issue. Whereas this particular way around, because I'm doing UK market, then, yeah, so you fi- if I finish work at 11, you know, I'm sort of looking to tap out my day, sort of heading home and finishing up about five. So I'm finishing before most of my friends. I'm going to bed before most of my friends have finished work. So it definitely curtails your life. Then what you do is on a, what I was doing on a Friday, I would then go to sleep immediately after work and then transition onto Colombian time for the weekend and then transition back to UK time on the Monday, which was horrendous we we had some difficult mondays there were some very difficult mondays yeah i have apologized for most of them yeah i think that was it was fun of the thing because we were already friends it made it, it can make this a little yeah awkward from time to time and you're like i know there's a big time difference i know you're probably asleep it doesn't happen you know it's so rare but i need you online right now but it was mondays but mondays were tough for the team i had based in the uk Yeah, people getting up six hours at two in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, I mean Mondays are tough. I this just makes me think of when I was in university. I worked as a bartender, and I also had to switch my sleep schedule completely every weekend. And then every Monday, I was like, "Oh my god, like dad!" And then it took me a while to get used to that sleep schedule again. And then it was weekend again, and I had to work nights. And then it all started over again. It's it's tough. It takes a lot of energy. But Dom, for you, it was still work- worth it? Oh, 100%. Abs- yeah. abs- absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you, the, the advantages that it brings, you know, you can speak, I can speak another language now. And, you know, I have an understanding of a of totally different culture, um, which has been, and, you know, I, I, I'm very much somebody who, who's a believer. If you're going to go somewhere, then, then, you know, you need to integrate on a certain level. And understanding the way that people think and the way that people act, and the way that people work and so on and so forth is, is, is very, very important. But that transition of the transition of time zones, the waking up crazy early, provided you're set on UK time, 
you don't really have an issue and you can wake up quite quite comfortably at one o'clock in the morning ready to go to, ready for start work at two in a really good place but you need to have that um that rigidity in your schedule in your schedule to be able to do that and that's not always easy because as soon as somebody's like hey we're going to go and do this thing at nine o'clock you're like well i start you're going to finish at two which is when i start work so it, yeah it becomes there's a lot of fomo you know that in, in that you that you experience doing this but you kind of just have to choose like the lifestyle that i have i want to keep and therefore you have to make quite a lot of sacrifices it's a yeah. lot easier if you're in the same if you're working the same time zone oh yeah or or i think also the other way around so i'm in european time zones most of the most of the year working for us clients so that means that the morning is completely mine and i love it and then i start work usually at around 2 p.m and then i yep. work until 10 usually in the evening there's still some FOMO though like i also miss social activities and meetups and things like that because i'm working sometimes yeah but yeah it is it is really nice to have those mornings Elliot, how was it for you as a manager to, did, did anything change in your work as a manager? Like, did you, did you have to make any adjustments that the, because there was one team member remote? Yes. And I, you know, I think regretfully it's one that I wish I'd realized and made sooner actually, which is, it's, we were, especially with the last business, we were in the process of trying to bring the team together, certainly the London-based team together more and get them learning from one another. And whilst it was great when we were doing that and having office days, it was very easy to, I hate myself for saying this, but to forget about remote yeah. team members. We, I had a silly mistake actually of not having a stand-up meeting on the days we were in the office, which just meant the remote team members were sort of isolated on those days and absolutely the wrong way to go around it. So I think I did that perhaps a little bit too late and certainly one a bit of advice i would give anyone uh doing that is just make sure you know you find time for those team interactions even if everyone's in the room together and you've just got one remote person get everyone on a video call like create make sure you keep pulling the team together and don't forget about your remote people because it can be quite easy to do and you know you can see that effect and i've seen it in plenty you can see that affect their work Sometimes as well, not so much the work, but this is in sales to really affect their motivation. And that's, that's a big part of I mean, what, what we need salespeople to do in particular, especially SDRs who are just, you know, rejection day in, day out. Then feeling rejected by your own team is definitely not the one. <laughs> mm, yeah. But I mean, otherwise it was, you know, it was, it, it worked very well. I think in all of the other days where we had those video interactions, we still managed to make it feel like the team were all together on our remote days. So, so we had a hybrid, you know, two days off in the office a week. And mm -hmm. um, so on those days where we were having our sort of stand-ups and, um, you know, end of day meetings and everything and team training sessions, that did really still feel like we were some one team operating together. We, we didn't have this huge time zone separating us. Um, but it's just about keeping that up, I think, and, and making sure that stays regular mm -hmm. uh, and consistent. Otherwise, so, yeah, you'll get people feeling quite lonely. Uh, and, and it's terrible as a manager to find out that you've got two remote workers who are consoling each other over <laughs> feeling lonely and like, oh, <laughs> It has happened. That's, it has happened. Yeah. That's the there, are things that, there are things that are unavoidable, though, about those sort of situations. Like when we would have a, like, for example, training sessions would be in the office. So you'd have six people in, in, a, in, an, in an office room and then I'd, you know, maybe have two people joining in via remotely. Just due to the nature of lag, you know, 
that conversation moves so rapidly and so organically and naturally within the office space that as a remote worker, it's like, I'm going to have to use the hands up thing to be able to join in to something that they've already passed in the last 10 seconds. Yeah. So the faster, the, the, the more, the better the team is doing in the office, the less you can really engage in it. Yeah. And that's yeah. just, a, that's just a Nate, that's just, you know, I'm on the other side of the planet, you know, six and a half thousand miles away. That isn't going to be as rapid. Yeah, ab- ab- it's absolutely that. And then as a manager, you're trying to make sure you've caught, you know, what everybody said, making sure everybody gets their opportunity to speak for something forward. And you can face that with the people remote, especially if you have got a number of people in a room. I mean, in a, in the previous business, the team was fully remote. We had the odd office day, but this was sort of end of COVID times. Everyone was absolutely terrified of leaving their front door. If it was anything to do with work, if it was a secret party at your mates, that was true. <laughs> but, uh, but um, I found it easier. Having a fully remote team, it's easier to to manage that. You know, you can have that consistency of stand ups and meetings, and really still create that team atmosphere and environment. Having just you know a, a mixture, it's really tough. So I would definitely vote for one one or the other, or have a remote team. You can treat them as a separate team, right. perhaps. But so I've actually, I was I was at I was at a bank in the UK, one of the challenger banks. And they the way that the way they have it is they have you are either office based or you are remote. And those remote teams are managed by a manager who is also remote. So they're every mm-hmm. single person involved in that. Yeah. The Slack communication is incredibly fluid and constant mm-hmm. and it's baked into their culture as being remote first. Transitioning and, you know, being the impetus for a transition into into what is essentially a hybrid team does put you in a situation where there's a lot of experience on one side and not a lot and, and a lot of experience on the other side, but very little of gelling of those two things together. Mm-hmm. So I think Elliot, you know, Elliot's absolutely right. There were a lot of times when you do feel lonely because, you know, because of the time difference and your and especially if you're doing what I was doing, which was, you know, because I'm working UK hours, the only people then you can really interact with are UK people who have got their own lives back in the UK. So interacting with people where where I was calling home is much 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 more difficult. So I'm you know I'm wrapping up at five. I haven't really spoken to anybody that day other than people on the telephone who aren't exactly best pleased to talk to you sometimes. <laughs> and uh, so so the loneliness aspect of things is a very real is a very real issue. And you know if that builds up over a period of time, you can get to a situation where you know there's a couple of times when I would have to, when I've messaged you earlier and and been like. I am not in a healthy place at the moment. This 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 sucks, you know. Yeah. And we'll generally work, and it's it's fine. Like if you've got a good manager, you work through that, and then you can. And 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 luckily, I did. So that was a massive advantage. But I can very very easily see and feel those times when that that weighs on you quite heavily in terms of trying to balance your life in one place with your with the reality of working in somewhere fundamentally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think what you were saying. Um, before that, which really stood out to me was that keeping remote teams fully remote or keeping an office team fully in office and not mixing the two, I think that sounds to me like a really good solution for managers, especially or business owners, remote business owners who are struggling with this. Or what do you? It's a large investment though, because you'd have to then have enough people to justify a remote team. And if you're looking mm-hmm. at seven SDRs and yeah. then and one of them is remote or two of them is remote, you'd have to have another manager to then head up those two people, which would probably oh. be one of them. Or you get a really good manager who can manage two two small teams. <laughs> but but 
you know, it, either way, I think just even the management of them, managing them slightly separately. Yeah, I, yeah, if I could go back and do it again, I think I would do that a little bit differently, even with the smaller teams. Tom, to be fair, yeah, yeah I would create a lot more work for myself. Uh, but I think it would be better for the people. I mean, yeah, but that's if you've got, yeah, an office based team or, you know, a location based team versus a split of kind of location and remote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there anything else that didn't really translate translate over to the remote workers? Like, I'm just thinking, like maybe well, business social... benefits don't exist, but so it's the yeah. social things. I missed. I missed. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a summer party. There was a Christmas party. Not able to go to them because you know, like the justification for flying six and a half thousand miles for a, for an event and then flying back again just is wildly impractical. It's those eleven yeah. hours it was ten and a half hours direct. So you'd yeah. be looking at be looking at full days two 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 days travel so that out of the question so the interaction with the people in the office is quite difficult benefits things like you know you know you get work from home benefits but you get work from home benefits provided you're in the uk so yeah. it's like oh you can have a new table and again you're in airbnbs most of the time yeah. so you move we tend to move from place to place i've got the furniture there but if i want to set up a desk or set up an office there is no permanent residence for me to be able to do that yeah. The shifting of locations on a regular basis is something that detracts quite heavily. So you've got a couple of weeks in one place, a couple of weeks in another place. You've got to bear in mind those weekends where you move from one place to another, that weekend is a write-off because you mm-hmm. you've got to go and do, you've got to get everything, got everything packed, everything moved, and then everything set up in the new place. It just, there's a few things like there's, that. Yeah. There's the other side of it as well. I think, you know, like, most most sales managers in particular especially the, the team in their office they'll be very reactive so they'll be listening to conversations going on getting involved in emails and really you know adding a lot of benefits to the team there and the remote members don't get that benefit you know they get hired because typically because they have the experience to not necessarily need that but yeah. it does make still such a you know even for say uh, seasoned professionals it makes such a big difference i think another really important aspect to consider is you know, certainly for a business that's mostly office-based, um, you know, that uh, remote workers don't get the right amount of exposure or don't get, you know, practically any exposure in the business. Having that that opportunity to socialize, you know, go over to other people's desks, solve problems, that sort of thing. That's the sort of stuff that gets people promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that, that's easily overlooked with remote workers and it sort of, it makes sense in a very sad way, you know, cause you just, you don't see that side of someone. Mm-hmm. So it'll be often that you'll, you'll be hired remotely into a senior management position, but if you're trying to climb the ranks internally. So, you know, I think as a SDR, it's different here with Dom, for instance, was doing it because it suited what he was trying to do at the time, you know, and had back loads and loads of experience for someone who's new in that career. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to get some exposure to the rest yep. of the team and, and, you know, to the other teams and, and management if you're there for a career. Uh, and if you're just fully remote, it, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. On, that, on that note, actually, one of the things towards the end that became abundantly apparent that I didn't realize was going to be an issue for me later on was um, the, the, the natural progression from SDR is to an AE, to an accounts, so from um, sales development representative to, to an accounts executive. The accounts executive was office based and needs to be office based. There's no, there's no yeah. way around that. Therefore, I was in a, I was in a um, Bournemouth meeting. Everything's fine, but um, it was like there's, there's, there's position. There's, there's a progression system, a new progression system being put in place to naturally guide SDRs to AE positions. And it was like I can't be on that because I will never progress 
in the organization. Now, that works because of what I because of the choices I've made to go into this position. But being told categorically there's no possibility for promotion yeah. whilst you're working abroad because it can't happen and there is only sort of one or two natural progressions all of which require being office based they hit quite a hit harder than i thought it was going to yeah. because it works at the time but then you realize that um yeah there's there's i'm going to be if i carry on doing this i'm going to be here in five years in exactly the same position and there's no there's no possibility without leaving there's no possibility of progression up um mm-hmm. and it does catch call me off guard quite a lot didn't think it would but um yeah genuinely surprising yeah i think that's a that's a good note and something to consider and i think the only way around that is to work for a fully remote company right because they would they Mm -hmm. they have everyone remote so i think that's the only way around that um but then yeah yeah, that means or be very very sure that the thing that you're doing you're doing for the right reasons for example if you've got a family and you're not looking to and, and you're you're living out somewhere and you want to continue doing that thing you know that really this will provide you the life that you want pretty much indefinitely fantastic absolutely could not recommend it highly enough but if there's any possibility that you want to do more professionally than what you can do then you need to think very very carefully about whether or not it's that position do you want to be doing this in five years time Mm -hmm. but yeah and and i think to your point you're absolutely right it's about the business that you go and work with as well and what how they approach remote working and what their understanding of it is because there is I've seen over the years from when remote working was like the holy grail <laughs> and you were really lucky if you maybe got one remote work day a month Yeah, uh, because, and it was always because, oh, I've got to do a whole day's worth of Excel work and it's just so much easier to do on my sofa and my boss would be like, mm-hmm. I understand that actually, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's fine to, you know, a world where, yeah, I interview people who are fresh out of university and they say, well, what's your hybrid working policy? I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> How many days do I get to work from home? And I thought, oh, I had to earn that. You know, I felt yeah. like I had to earn yeah. that over the years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, different companies have very different approaches to it. And, you know, and I've worked with some who have really progressive approaches to hybrid working. You know, you do, well, to have so hybrid teams and having that remote workers and, and some office-based. And I think, you know, they made the office optional for all the teams where it could be, that was a big part of it. Um, but they they just embraced I think the remote team the right way in company meetings, and that kept that inclusion. And then you you know still kept that opportunity for progression. So I think yeah, a big part of it is is how the business approaches remote. That um, that bank that I said that I, that I worked for, they have an office in Central London. They have an office in Cardiff as well. And um, they're actually it's more accurate to say that that is a benefit rather than the remote working now because remote working for them is is standard they're a remote first organization but having the ability to say anytime you want to come to the office anytime you want to use the stuff we've got yeah you want to chill on the beanbags you want to play table tennis you want to do all that sort of stuff that we have at this space you can just come in and do work in the office whenever you want to there's an actual benefit to that which is the yeah. which is side of the reverse of where we were <laughs> it's in less yeah. in less exactly where we were when we were based in the uk in like a WeWork sort of space and the head office was in um Finland and had multiple saunas you'd yep. see it on Slack on the away from keyboard channel all the time it would say FK quick sauna and you'd be in the UK like oh that's really unfair <laughs> that sounds really good that's awesome yeah. I'm also wondering how do you guys work together at Digital Nomads for good maybe before we before you answer this question, can you tell us a little bit more about what Digital Nomads for Good actually is? Like, what do you guys do? And then, you know, I also want to know how you work together there. Sure. 
Do you, do you, do you want to take this one now? I was wondering who was going to volunteer. And so Digital Nomads Forget is, is effectively a platform and mechanism for people who are living as digital nomads to give back to local charities and community projects in their newly adopted cities. And, you know, from Dom's experience, we noticed, you know, there was a real urge for people to do something about the gentrification that's being caused or the impact that they're having when they're traveling, but not really seeing any simple mechanism to do it. Um, and then again, I, I mean, Dom, over to you here, but just seeing some of the, the charities and opportunities of, of, you know, smaller organizations that we could help and, and what very little and how big of an impact that could have. So was, to give, yeah, yeah. So to, give, to give you an idea, um, a lot of charities, the small charities, for example, in Colombia, use the um, the Colombian specific banking uh, systems known as like Neki and Dabi Plata, which are owned by large banks, but they're very, very specific that you could only have if you have a Colombian identification card. So you can't use them right. otherwise. Therefore, there's very it's very difficult to give money to charities. There's no mechanism to pay tax. There's no mechanism to give anything to local services and so on and so forth. But there is a very, very strong desire to do something. So we went, um, we, Elliot and I discussed the idea of working with local charities on a, on, that are working, that are operating in various different places on a small scale to take money from the nomad community and be able to offer a platform whereby people can select of a, from a list of charities that they are the ones that they feel most connected to. And then that money will then go to these charities. Now we work with um, about 12 or 13 in, in Medellin at the moment. It's around that kind of number at the, at the second. Um, and they do everything from there's one which works up in the mountains in what's called an invasion zone, which is a very, very difficult to live strata zero level of, um, of, of living. Most of the houses, a lot of them made out of, you know, bits of cars and things like that. Um, and they look after 300 children um, and they provide them with food every single day. They provide English lessons for them. It's yeah. The work they do is absolutely amazing. There's another one that looks after um, children and their guardians, um, the children have, for children who have cancer. Um and they so so they again small scale organization working with 16 children and then 16 guardians who then are with them they also have another building for adults who have cancer as well um there are some that provide food there are some that provide jobs there's some that provide um security for widows uh, after their parent after their husbands die and um you know they're left with children with no income because coding lessons coding lessons well. a massive thing absolutely there's a coding <laughs> coding organization and one of them, um, and then we've got and, and some animal charities and um, one that, you know, tries to get people off the streets by helping them learn how to play football, but better, and then providing food and dance classes and English and all sorts of other things. So there's a lot of different things that can appeal to a lot of different types of people. Um, but uh, so, so people can essentially just choose what method, who they'd like to give to most. And then ultimately that will then, we make sure we ensure the legitimacy of these organizations by going to visit them. We have personal relationships with each one of them. And then we report back on those projects that we're doing. So, for example, the one up in the mountains that needs, uh, you know, that looks after the children and provides yeah. them with food. They, one of their buildings, they had two buildings originally. One of them has subsided because they're on the side of a mountain. So it's fallen down. That needs to be rebuilt. They've had enough money to get the ground tested, but uh, so that it's, it's suitable for building, but they need to get the money to actually get that done. So we're not looking at, volunteering at the moment we're not looking at um at anything other than um or providing toys or, or clothing we're just looking at getting the financials from one place to another to, another, to provide yeah. those to provide those resources um, for, for their yeah. most immediate projects exactly effectively and then feeding that back you know so for using that charity's example we dom and i actually went up there it was one 
one experience for sure. It was really quite moving, to be honest, as we started to ascend further and further into this area towards where the foundation school was. The two people from that charity had amassed a small army of children uh, who were all coming up with them for either, you know, that day's lunch or lesson or whatever it may be. Uh, and you could see the sort of love and respect from everyone within that community towards the charity just because of all the good work they were doing. And, you know, it was $120 fed 300 children in a day. And, and that yeah, will provide, provide them with food. Yeah. And they're funded entirely from on donations. So it's really yeah, about trying to offset a little bit of the impact digital numbers have when they're traveling, giving them the opportunity to do that about causes that they care about and then keep them posted on what's actually happening. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what what positive impact they are having. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been nomading for five years now and I, I, you know, completely agree with you. So many nomads want to do something good, especially because we're a guest in the countries that we visit, you know, yeah. we and we have an impact there, uh, some some positive, some negative. And I think it's it's really beautiful that you provide a way to do more good in the countries that we visit. Um, because we want that, but then how, right? And you're solving that problem. You're telling it's us It's not how. an easy thing to do. It's <laughs> not an easy, there, was, there was not a mechanism with the places I've been to. You know, I've, I've, I've done a decent amount of South America. There just isn't a resource for us to be able to contribute directly. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the ideal is if, if you look at organizations like the British, um, Royal British Legion, for example, the Poppy Appeal, um, they've created this world whereby, which I think is absolutely incredible, whereby... Every November in the UK, everybody wears a poppy because that's the done thing. I'd love to be in a situation in a few years' time where if you're a digital nomad, you give money to local charities. Now, via us or via directly, as long as we have a mechanism in place that means... I, it makes me very sad when people I know talk about the you know, digital nomads coming in and being you know, being a, a lech on society and things like that, and just you know, the gentrification aspects of it. I'd like to see us get to a place where we can be, where people are looked at as being... You know, they're a net benefit for the local area they come to because if they're going there, they're contributing to that area. And yeah. if you're wearing, like, my dream is that if you're wearing a DNFG logo, <laughs> then, you know, you we know that you're giving to those people around you. Yeah. So offsetting, now we're not going to, we can't reverse gentrification. It's not a thing that can happen. The organization, the, these restaurants and bars and clubs and all, they've been set up. They, they hire locals. They create huge amounts of jobs. There's loads of benefits there, but they're less tangible. It's hard to see them unless you understand the economics of the area. And if they obviously if nomads were to leave, then those businesses close down, loads of people lose their jobs, the money flows out mm -hmm. of the economy, it's all quite negative, more negative than if they're there. This is something which is much more tangible where people can see, okay, that person is living here and they are, we know for a fact that they are contributing to our society in a, in a tangible, meaningful way. That's where yeah. my, that's where that's I the dream. Being. That's the dream. Now, that will yeah. take some time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and again, we're not trying to bully people into doing things like this, but the the I do like the idea that we can change. And because we're working on a project by project basis, I mean, Elliot will talk to you about the um, you know, the, the project by project thing, which could fundamentally change um people's perception of of charities as well. And El, do you want to just grab that one? So some bold claims, but no, I just it is a bold. You know, claim. I I do feel like with the focus on smaller charities, but you know, particularly in the areas in which you're traveling you can have a more immediate impact and positive effect. And then making sure that you're actually being aware of that, being told, hey, you know, your $120 fed 300 children. That's amazing. Yeah. That's very different from, and, you know, I don't want to take anything away from those bigger charities, but throwing £10 a month into, you know, multinational charity uh, that's bringing in, you know, up to 500 plus million in donations per year where you're getting the same newsletter as everyone else. 
Um, so yeah, I think this is really about that smaller, more immediate impact. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really the best way to help keep the charities engaged as well. And, and, and hopefully keep the members engaged. You know, I'd like to dream of a world where the nomads will travel, go to new cities, find us there, but, you know, hold on to one or two charities from the previous city, just because it meant that much to them. But we shall, we shall see. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have such a beautiful mission. Um, how do you work together at um, Digital Nomads for Good? Like with all the, you know, remote work talk, um, so. <laughs> how do you manage um, working across continents for Digital Nomads for Good and also having um, another job, right? I think you both work on another job. No, so, okay. so actually we're, we're, we're both working on this full time okay. at the moment. Awesome. Um, for, for the foreseeable future. Um, and yeah, so we're both working this full time right now. Uh, it's been an interesting switch and dynamic, I suppose, because uh, Dominic is, although back in the UK temporarily at the moment for, for a wedding, is still based out in Colombia. So I've switched to working Colombian hours in the UK. So I'm actually doing something yeah. much more similar to what you, you're doing, which has been interesting. How we work together, things mostly long, drawn out, cold, uncomfortable silences. No, we, um, <laughs> we spent given, 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 you know, everything we're doing and, and trying to start a business is, is frankly quite terrifying, yep. but, you know, very exciting at the same time, we've, we've got sort of semi-set hours. We're working flexibly, but, you know, I'm typically online sort of two to 10 as well, or a little later. Um, but I, I, I exclude one or two evenings a week that I'm going to see my friends. It's just the end of time I can see them. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we spend a lot of time on on calls together whilst working, even for working on separate things, yeah. just to keep that kind of togetherness working on them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, to to avoid that loneliness right. that we've got yeah. in a much bigger team. The um, One of the things I find is the more work, and there's this, I think it will resonate. Um, the more work we do, the more work we do. Which actually, I, by that, by that, I mean, if you could, sometimes you do find yourself in a situation where there's a lot of unknown unknowns. There's a lot of spreadsheets we have to go through. There's a lot of documentation we need to draw up. There's a lot of things like yeah. employee contracts and and getting in contact with um, financiers yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And it's 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 tough, you know. It's tough to stay motivated. But once you get a bit, so we'll have a meeting and then we'll come out of that meeting and be like, yeah, this is it. Let's go and let's let's yeah. go. Let's and we'll actually end up, you know, double or tripling our work, uh, you know, our, our work output. Based on the fact that we did some work, yeah, you, it's, it's keeping that moment. It's because it's 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 momentum. Yeah. You know, once it once mm-hmm. it starts rolling, then you can get an incredibly large amount done in in a day. And um, yes, we do work on weird time time differences, and there'll be days when we're just like, this is this feels impossible. What we're trying to do feels impossible. And then something will spark in our mind, and then one of us will start texting the other one, going, "Oh my god, I've just realised we could do this, we could do this, we could do this." And I'm looking at my phone, and I'm going, "It's eleven o'clock at night, Elliot. Do you really want to do this now?" And then we're like, yeah, "Fine, yeah. let's have a call. Let's go until two o'clock in the morning." So the time, the the time frame aspect of things is is occasionally quite tricky. And again, for a startup, it's not the same as having an established business where your fallback options are your management because there is nobody above us. So, yeah. um, so we we have you know we and there are a couple of other people working for us. There's one down in Little Hampton. There's one in Canada. Um, so we're all luckily we're in the we're in the same sort of time zone. We've got another person in Medellin as well. Um, so managing five people in essentially five different cities is 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 tough um so self-autonomy is really important in making sure that you've got people on board who are driven and you know having that vibe check to make sure that they believe mm-hmm. in the thing that we're doing is i genuinely believe more important than maybe they're if they're not 
their technical knowledge is important, but their attitude towards DNFG is infinitely more mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that's and that's that's something I want to add. Do you think it's easier because you're friends and you've known each other for so long, or do you think it makes it more difficult sometimes? <laughs> Good comment. Uh, <laughs> it depends I mean, on the day. <laughs> yeah, it's both. It's both of those things, right? Yeah. It, it is easier because we've known each other for so long. And we do know what makes each other tick. We also know how to kind of fire one another up about something. You know, if if I can see that Dom's running with a good idea, I feel like the years of working with him and knowing him, I sort of know just how to prod him a bit more to go, yeah, keep you know what I mean? And and, and we can grow and grow. And and in a very similar way, Dom Dom does that with me as well. But then equally, because we do know each other so well, like it's quite easy to frustrate. (laughs) We know what, yeah, yeah. as, as, As old friends would do. So I think sometimes finding that balance yeah, there's a thin line between firing somebody up and winding somebody up. <laughs> it's there's because because you've got that safe space with somebody, you can, you can, and I've I've done this a couple of months ago, and I you know because I feel like I'm in a safe space with somebody, you lose that professionalism, and you have to try and maintain that that attitude of what we're doing, and also yeah, and don't drink white wine. That's a tip. It's it's it can be it can be very stressful because you're trying to balance that 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 genuinely work life are the same thing they are the same person yeah you're just looking at a different aspect of them yeah so uh, that was actually my next question do you ever have that you just hang out socially and then someone has a work idea and then you go you go on a whole like yeah into a work meeting oh (laughs) it happens all the time i mean this will happen this happens even when we're in different countries Mm -hmm. that one of us will be out we'll be talking about the business talking about something we'll have this great idea then there'll be a message, then another message. Then it's like, just, just get on the phone quickly. Yeah, and then I'm yeah. sitting outside the pub, you know, for 20 <laughs> minutes talking about this amazing idea. And I just had to, yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. We'll try and arrange to play, play, play a video game and we go, okay, let's, let's do this. And we'll start, we'll be trying to work out what we're going to do. Let's have some time because we talk about work all the time. Let's do, let's have a little bit of time. We'll have a glass of wine. We'll talk about something that's not work related. 20 minutes later we're on a spreadsheet going but this would work really well we could do this thing and it'll be great and then 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 people will really appreciate this and we can reward them and yeah so it's it's main like trying to find time to to not work is probably more difficult than finding time to work mm-hmm. interesting yeah agreed yeah, yeah interesting i so i absolutely recognize this i started a business with a friend in the past and eventually the business didn't make it. We we stopped doing it after a few months. But I recognize all of this. Like totally are, you, are you still friends? No. <laughs> this is sorry. This is, but that didn't have anything to do with that though. So okay. you know, you'll make it. You'll make it. I also didn't know her for eighteen years before. So oh, okay, fair. It's a completely different yeah. situation, don't worry. <laughs> We've we've come. We're always going to be friends. He just knows too much now. Well, that's the yeah. The you have to, to keep him. <laughs> yeah. No. This is there. There are too many opportunities for blackmail. <laughs> there are, to be fair. <laughs> well, that that was it. Goes, it, goes, it, goes, it goes. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. Also yeah. very true. Yeah. Also very true. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your um, remote work slash non remote work um, lessons and. Um, the work that you do at Nomad, Digital Nomads for Good. Can you tell us where people can find you um, if they want to learn more, if they want to help, of course, if they want to do good? Sure. So uh, at the moment, our web app is being developed. So we're hoping to be able to launch towards the end of the year, very start of next year. I'd imagine January 
He's looking quite realistic. And that'll be us launching in Medicine. Uh, in the, for the time being, we are on Instagram. So I think that link will be uh, with this, along with we do also have a GoFundMe, uh, which is really just for our initial startup cost, really getting the business off the ground, getting the platform built, which we're having built regardless. But really anything anyone would be you know happy to do right now to help us along the way to that journey would be fantastic. And then, yeah, hopefully within a couple of months, we'll actually be able to, uh, to, to set it up and running and live and, and, you know, give all of you guys a way to donate to some of the charities. We do have a, we do have a mailing list available. That's at dnfg.org.uk. Um, and I think a lot of the links for things are on there as well, but that's just a, it's a holding site for the time. Okay, perfect. We'll make sure to add all the links to the show notes as well. So when you're listening, you can just go to the show notes, click the links there. And um, I was mentioning January of 2024, by the way, um, if you would be listening to this episode later, then the, the website should be live and you can find it in the show notes there. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was really interesting and super fun. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being here yeah. today. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah, thanks, Anne. My first podcast. Yeah, it's been not, not as terrifying yep. as I expected, but uh, yeah, Girl, really good fun. Right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. I would appreciate it even more if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts for me. That way, more people can find this podcast, more people can hear the inspiring stories that we're sharing, and the more people we can impact for the better. So thank you so much if you are going to leave a review. I really appreciate you. And I will see you in the next episode.